Hello! In what is a slight detour away from our traditional tech alphabet, welcome to what is a very special bonus edition of the podcast. As you may or may not be aware, PwC is sponsoring the Science Museum's new driverless exhibition, which runs through until October 2020. I'm Louise, and both myself and my co-host Hugo are really excited to be chatting with Margaret Campbell, who is curating the exhibition. Margaret, thanks very much for coming to speak to us. Um, being curator at the Science Museum sounds like the best job. How did you get into the field and when can we do a job swap? <laughs> <laughs> it is quite a good job. I really enjoy it. It's very fun. Uh, I got into it kind of in a roundabout way, sort of. I did my undergraduate degree uh, in Canada uh, in uh, biology. So I have a Bachelor of Science. I knew when I was doing my degree that I probably didn't want to stay in science research forever. Uh, it just seemed a bit sort of a little bit lonely to me. Um, I wanted to be chatting with other people. So uh, I thought about some different master's programs. I didn't really know what I wanted to do, but I always liked going to science museums when I was growing up and then met someone who had done a master in museum studies. Uh, I thought that that sounded like something I'd be interested in. So I moved to England and did an MA museum studies at UCL. And then from there, I did a couple of different internships at different uh, science museum type places and then got a job doing events at the Science Museum. And then a few months ago, they created the Assistant Curator Contemporary Science post. So I applied for that. And then here I am. The rest is history. Fantastic. Yeah. So obviously, we're here specifically talking about the driverless exhibition. And driverless technology is actually something that we've kind of touched on a few times already in the podcast series. And it's very much like a hot topic right now. Um, so what prompted the Science Museum to launch the, the driverless exhibition? Well, it is just so timely. We thought that now would be the perfect time. Out of 44 objects in the exhibition, only three are actually in real world use now. So we think that now is kind of the time to sort of have a public conversation about this technology before it is in our cities in mass scale. Now is the time for people to have a better understanding of how it actually works, what it could be used for, some of the sort of concerns that different organizations have. So we wanted to sort of get out ahead of the curve and start talking about it now rather than when it's too late. So in the context of this exhibition, what exactly do we mean when we say driverless? So we talk, we're talking about vehicles, that, so things like robots that roam around on land, cars, submarines, drones that are driven by AI or artificial intelligence rather than a human driver actually sitting in the vehicle telling it what to do. And when we're talking about this kind of technology, we either assume that it's super cutting edge or decades away, but it's interesting in the exhibition that you have some items uh, which are actually decades old. For example, the 1960 D Citroen DS119. Um, Explain a bit more about that. So yeah, uh, we were really excited. We don't often get to have objects from our own collection in our contemporary science exhibitions. Um, so it was really cool to get to have um, the, one of the first driverless cars actually that's in the Science Museum's own collection. It's a 1960 Citroen DS19 that was modified in the 1960s by the Road Research Laboratory to actually run along an electric cable along a stretch of the M4 near Reading. It's got this massive computer in the back seat. It actually takes up a space of two passengers. So it wouldn't necessarily be a super practical family car. Um, for road trips or anything like that. But it would run along this electric cable on a test track 
um, up north that did so well that when the M4 motorway was actually in construction, the government let these engineers build another test track so it could actually run, run along the motorway itself. Uh, once they finished the motorway, they kind of shut that down. Uh, but at the time, the engineers thought that by 2010, probably every car in Britain would be driverless, which obviously that's not happened, which is kind of part of what the exhibition is about, why it's taking longer than expected for this technology to sort of actually get out in the real world. And why it still might uh, take a few decades yet before we see truly connected autonomous vehicles. Yeah, we're still a long way away. Yeah, for sure. I have to say that was definitely my favourite ex exhibit in the exhibition. Really cool car. Um, Something you touched on briefly earlier was this kind of public perception and public discussion around this kind of technology. Um, and one of the themes that we've seen in PwC's own research is that it is very much public perception, particularly around drones, that remains something of a barrier um, to the uptake of this kind of technology in the UK. And one of the figures that kind of struck me was that over two thirds of people are concerned about the potential use of drones for criminal purposes, for example. So how do you think this particular ex exhibition might help address some of these perceptions? Well, we show quite a wide range of drones in the exhibition and just a wide range of these vehicles in general. That was kind of one of the things we were hoping visitors would take away, that there's actually a huge variety of things that these technologies are going to be used for and that AI could help us with. So we have, we definitely have some drones that are maybe being used for purposes that could concern people because it is quite a, it is something that people there are some realistic concerns of what these technologies could be used for. But then we also show drones that are have the potential to actually save lives, make our lives more efficient. So we have things like the Mein Kafan drone. Uh, in the exhibition, we show one of the early prototypes, a small-scale replica. Um, the original prototype, would have it sort of looks like a football the size of a grown man. So it would be blown around by the wind in a minefield, um, detonating landmines. Um, and then just within a couple of years, they've developed it into an autonomous drone. So it finds these landmines, it drops the weight, it detonates the landmine, and then flies away. Um, so it has the potential to completely change people's lives in Afghanistan. It was developed by these two brothers who had grown up there um, and seen sort of the havoc that uh, these landmines were wreaking. So they wanted to do something to help, and they've used AI and drones to kind of do that. They're expecting that it will actually be out clearing um, minefields by the end of 2020. I really like the Minecraft one example, and I think I liked a, a couple of the, the exhibits which seem to have been chosen specifically for their positive, future positive impact or their potential to really uh, really be game-changing. The other one, I think, is the, uh, the example from the small robot company you have of basically autonomous agricultural vehicles. There was, a, there was one, of the, uh, one of the Tom, Dick and Harry series, yes, I think, yeah. which, which was mentioned. Um, and and it's, I think that, that's fantastic when you think about actually the necessity of much more efficient uh, food production in the future if, if we're basically to survive as the human race. Um, so on that note, were you, uh, was there a specific tech for good angle that you were trying to take when you were putting the exhibits together? I think we're, we weren't trying to make necessarily a tech for good or a, 
We weren't hoping people would come away afraid of this technology either. We're just hoping we'll show the huge variety of technology that's out on the market and let people kind of make their own mind up about what they're comfortable with. Because it's not about being sort of anti-AI or pro-AI or driverless vehicles. They're going to be used for a huge range of things. They're here now. They're going to be just developed further and further. So it's, you know, you don't have to be sort of anti or pro-AI because there's a huge number of things they're going to be used for. So, um, you know, a driverless car working as a taxi in a city is completely different than, say, the um, Tom robot that's helping make agriculture more efficient. So it's interesting if you can show people that there are use cases outside, you know, for example, just drone deliveries, which is basically fulfilling an existing role more efficiently. Um, so what we'd love to ask you is uh, your favorites from the exhibition. Mm -hmm. Um, My yeah, and we're going to go by category. Mm -hmm. um, so we've talked a little bit about drones. Um, you've given some useful clarifications. We've done some research on the topic, I think, and it's all about trying to change people's perceptions of what drones are and what they could be used for. So from that section, from the air section, which is your favorite exhibit? From the air section, I really like, uh, we have an AED delivery drone from the Karolinska Institute in Sweden, which is able to bring an AED to the scene of an accident or someone who's gone into cardiac arrest 16 minutes faster than paramedics could arrive by the road. So that has the potential to like save so many lives, completely revolutionize how we manage our emergency services. Um, so at the moment, the developers are working with Swedish, Swedish aviation authorities, because in Sweden at the moment, similar to the UK and other jurisdictions, you're not allowed to fly a drone out of your site, which there's good reasons for that. It does make sense, but they're sort of working with the authorities to find a way to allow them to use this technology because it could be so revolutionary. I think that's one of the really interesting messages as well is that you're demonstrating how tangibly this could have life-saving implications for, for people and I suppose asking the public to think about it in a different a different perspective. Um, in the C section, um, obviously you have a replica of Boti, who is something of a superstar in its own right. Yes. Um, what would you say is your favourite exhibit from the from the C section? From the C section, I do love Bodhi. He's very <laughs> sweet, but um, I think everyone kind of knows about him already. He's already a bit of a celebrity. Um, I really like we have some MAUEs that are on loan from a researcher in San Diego, California that they float in the water column in the open ocean, just like plankton do. So they're helping him collect data about how ocean currents move plankton around so he can sort of better understand the ecosystem, but also how things like oil spills or toxic algae could be pushed around and moved around by ocean currents. But he had put little sensors on them so he could find them again. Uh, and he'd put a sticker that said like $1,000 reward or something if found. He noticed one day when he was in his lab that they were at a bar near the University of California campus. And he was like, why are they at a bar? That's so weird. And then realized that some fishermen had scooped them up, saw the reward and gone to drink the reward money at the bar. <laughs> I don't think he actually gave them reward the reward money. He was like, no, that's that's not what that's for. <laughs> and finally, from the land section, what's your what do you think is the most striking exhibit and your favorite? I think my favorite from the land section is Ducky Town, which is um, like a small sort of kit that you can buy. Uh, it's about hundred dollars US. Was made by MIT. Um, so it's, it basically comes with everything you need to make a sort of miniature driverless city, uh, but using rubber ducks. 
So it allows students um, in countries all around the world, um, startups, to actually learn how to program this technology, help them better understand the things that urban planners or technology developers need to sort of take into account when they're uh, planning this technology and developing it. And it's also just very cute watching the rubber ducks sort of <laughs> drive around their little autonomous city. It's very sweet. <laughs> Was there anything specific in that uh, you wanted to include in the exhibition but couldn't? Um, there wasn't anything specific that we weren't able to get in. Uh, it would have been nice to sort of do more of the exploratory technology. So we have a lot about exploring the open ocean and the deep sea. I think if we had unlimited space and resources to do it, it would be nice to explore um, how this technology is being used in space travel. So we've got at the moment in another exhibit at the museum, this 3D printed um, space brick sort of that's going to be used by the European Space Agency to build buildings on the moon using the resources that are there but it's all being done by autonomous vehicles um, because obviously if it hasn't been built yet the astronauts can't get there so we need AI to do all that work for us so it'd be nice to show how it's this technology is already making other technologies possible. We've asked you what your favorite examples were from each of the three um, domains but overall do you have a personal favorite thing or takeaway about the exhibition? Hmm, that's a good question. It's hard to pick. Um, I, th I think just the variety of technologies in itself, everything from Bodhi to the Citroën. Uh, we've got our Robo Race Formula E racing car that's going 300 kilometers an hour uh, and not producing any emissions. So I think just showing people just the sheer range of things that this technology is capable of doing is really exciting. Brilliant. If people wanted to find out a little bit more, uh, other than bowling up to the exhibition itself, where should they go? So you could go to the Science Museum website or our Twitter account at Science Museum. But if you are in London, we do have an event the last Wednesday of August, which will be all about driverless technology. Um, so the museum will be open till 10 and we'll have lots of interesting pop-up events going on, as well as the opportunity to see Driverless and Top Secret, our other free exhibition that's open at the moment. Brilliant. And unless I'm mistaken, our very own drones team is going to be showcasing some of their work then as well. Yes, I believe so. I'm looking forward to seeing it. Um, Margaret, it's been an absolute pleasure having you in today, hearing some of your personal stories about the exhibition and getting some of your insights into the really cool um, exhibitions that you're, that you're sharing at the minute. Um, listeners, thank you as always for joining us on this particularly special bonus edition of the podcast. We'll be back next time diving into the tech alphabet once again. Um, and in the meantime, please feel free to follow us on Twitter. I'm at LouTagTech or Hugo is at HugoWarner1. Or of course, you can also subscribe to the podcast to make sure you get the next installment as soon as it is released. Mm -hmm.